0: Welcome to the Sports Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, Marcus Lure. Today, we're crossing over to London to catch up with Misha Sher from the Mediacom Agency. Welcome to the podcast, Misha.
1: Great to be with you, Marcus. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, excited. Uh, it's actually my first one for the new year, uh, even though we released some already. But in terms of recording, you're our number one in two twenty three, So it's exciting. And looking no forward pressure. to... <laughs> exactly. And looking forward <laughs> to a great conversation here for the next hour. Um, and I'll sort of frame it a bit what we'll be talking about. And before I introduce yourself a little more, uh, really the topic we're we're going to be covering is sports properties, the talent side of the business, and how commercial partners connect with this. Because at the end of the day, both are brands, and that's the interesting part here. Since you are in a media brand agency, of course, how you guys work with this, and you know what I call co-branding, or you know, you know how these p- brands interact and how they yeah. leverage each other to some degree to you know generate new opportunities and business on the back of it is really what the, the ultimate trick always there is in this puzzle. And you got plenty of experience in it, as well as, uh, you know, we'll have plenty of great examples. Uh, but before we go there, you know, let's, like I said, introduce yourself a little more. You, you know, actually started as a soccer player yourself, even though I think that was fairly short, and you can share a bit more about it later. Uh, you're an author as well. You you wrote a book and you are working on a second one. Uh, obviously, you've been a, uh, you know, a sports marketing veteran here for many years and decades now in the industry and uh had some uh, entrepreneurial experience as well, and I think you're also a lecturer at times at a certain university. So it really, um, you're spreading your wings across uh, the different parts of what we do as an industry. Um, you're learning everywhere, and and you have an interesting background too, because as far as I remember um, you immigrated from the Ukraine to the U.S. at the age of 13, which by itself already is quite interesting and we always like to start right at the beginning anyway. And, and so take us back there because I love people to always understand a bit, you know, the, the background, which, you know, a lot of the day kind of drives people and, and, uh, you know, is part of the further part of life there. So tell t- take us back to those days.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, so yes, my, my, uh, you know, my, my family, uh, my family is originally from from well, it, what is Ukraine now, but used to be part of um, part of Soviet Union. This was before Soviet Union dissolved. in In this in this in the in the, in the, uh, in the fall of ninety one, we immigrated in um, as refugees, as Jewish refugees uh, in the spring of of ninety one. So, right. you know, if, you can imagine, you know, my my growing up was. <laughs> Uh, you know with uh, with portraits of you know of lenin in my classrooms uh, you know and, and uh you know very very different you know very very different childhood than my the, I, the I, average I suppose, american my western <laughs> yeah indeed. It, yes that's absolutely and and i have to say I, I think a lot of people um you know when they the way it's portrayed in movies or the way that people you know think about uh you know the world and they say oh you know everyone if they had a chance they would just they would you know they'd go to America and it's an amazing lifestyle but you know to be honest when i was you know when I was growing up i I never felt like anything was missing in my life i had, I had an amazing childhood i had great friends um there was a um a great sense of community when i you know i i have i have, I have very very fond memories of of, of growing up uh, of, of my of my childhood Hmm. And and it was a it was a huge uh, it was a it was a huge culture shock for me at the at the time and I remember it like it was uh, like it was yesterday. I mean, obviously, you go through different transitions in life from sort of childhood, adulthood, work, uh, marriage, and so on. But I I, I don't think I've, I've ever had an experience quite like the year that I had when you know when we immigrated, just because the you know the the, the difference in everything. I didn't speak the language at all. Oh, wow. um, I think when you when you transition, uh, when you have any sort of change, as, as a kid, it's not it's not always easy. But at thirteen, you know, the, the only thing you really want is is to be part of uh, you know part of groups, part of have friendships, uh, you know, be sort of really integrated into, I guess, the fabric of culture. And I, and I found that very difficult because like I, not only did I not speak the language, but I came from a place that's – I think unless you came from maybe North Korea, it couldn't have, couldn't have been more opposite in terms of you know in terms of um, yeah. you know experiences and I, and I, and I, and unfortunately the way that you know I think the Russia U.S. relationships were often portrayed in in you know in, in movies and stuff it, it was it was it wasn't an easy place to come from. It wasn't but,
0: helpful. Yes, I can yeah, imagine. it wasn't helpful.
1: But but say you know but the the bright side and and I think this is what. You know, we'll we'll come on to that probably later but football was such a big part of my identity a part of my life I've grown mm-hmm. up i grew up a footballer i was um um i was very serious uh, I was a serious player in in uh, you know in ukraine and and the one thing that Americans love is a, is a good athlete right so and I was uh you know and I was a standout um you know footballer i came there there was no one anywhere around sort the of three four age groups that could you know that was Uh, perhaps at my level. So that was my language, you know, sport was my language. Football was my, was my uh, way of integrating into the culture at the time. So, you know, as I, as I sort of think about my life now and how this game, this sport has allowed me to sort of to, um, to see the world, to, to meet amazing friends and colleagues, to, um, you know, to make a living. I mean, it's, it's been, it's been incredible. It's given me everything. So um obviously I, I work in a broader sports industry now but um you know sport has really fueled a lot of my life
0: yeah no i love that and it's a great way to get started uh again a the background and which is so different like you said to probably many others uh, i've had here um and how football already and you know whatever you call it called soccer at that time or in in the u.s of course how that played uh, a very important role so i guess you played at Sort of university level, graduated from the US, and your first job, funny enough, then ended up uh, in banking, right? Uh, you know, so yes. you, yeah. you you studied uh, finance, or, or how did you end up in the banking yeah. world? You, you know what? I actually, this is this is going to sound a bit
1: bizarre, but I was so convinced I would have a long professional football career that I, I never get, I never gave much thought about what I wanted to do after college, other All than right. to play. Okay, um, and I you know, and I did and I did try to play, but you know my. You know my degree I studied uh, I studied economics and marketing in at university and I just look I, I was interested in the subject matter probably more marketing than economics uh, but I didn't think that it was something I would be pursuing so soon right. but uh, you know at the time this was early 2000s the you know football uh, professional football in the US wasn't what it is today nowhere near I mean major League soccer only had um, it was actually contracting. It was, it went from 10 teams to eight teams. Uh, you know, the, the rosters were, were cut. So it was very difficult to, mm. to make any sort of, um, uh, any living as a professional athlete. And I, and I ended up playing for a little bit in the, in the, I suppose the the next division is, uh, what's it called an a, a league. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, I ended up, um, I ended up going out to Boston. I had some friends that moved out there after college and, and they said, look, Boston's a great place, you know, young city, dynamic, lots going on. And, um, and uh, you know, we could help you, you know, if you want to come out here, there's, you know, there's lots of work and it shouldn't be hard for you to get a job. So, yeah, next thing I knew, I ended up, uh, you know, I ended up at Brown Brothers um, and working in, you know, went working in banking, which, you know, it wasn't re- <laughs> really wasn't my um you know, it, it wasn't my cup of tea, to be honest. I mean, it was a, it was a first job. I think oftentimes we, we go into, yeah, <laughs> it pays the bills. And it was, it was more just to be like, all right. So I, you know, I'm a, I'm a grown up now. I've got to look after myself. I've got to get an apartment and start making, you know, start making a living. But, um, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a really, really, um, it was, I had a great time in Boston. It was a great experience. I learned a lot uh, about what I, what I liked, uh, about work, um, what I wanted out of work, uh, what my strengths were, what my weaknesses were. So I think all of those things, when you, when we talk about our journeys, our careers, our experiences, I, I think that those things are really important when I want to speak to students now. And, you know, it's, we're on, we're on that sort of discovery, I think. Mm -hmm. And, and that discovery, doesn't stop and you know sometimes people get you um you know to 30 or 35 and or 40 for that matter and they say hey you know I actually I would like to do something else and and um I think that happens a lot more now than you know than before right. so I think yeah. we should always Absolutely. be mindful as we go through that, on that journey of, of what um of what we enjoy and what what type of work and what type of environment brings out best in us so uh, uh, from that perspective I agree. banking was was interesting
0: and now, how did you get from then being in Boston, um, and the next sort of uh, step in some sense here is you you go to you go to Liverpool, uh, to get a degree an MBA in uh, in the football industry at the University of Liverpool. So, how do you get from yeah. from Boston to Liverpool?
1: Yeah, so it's an interesting story. So I was um I I was thinking for a while about what you know what do I really want to do, and I and I knew deep down that I didn't want to work in banking and um and if there was a time to make a to make a change you would have i would have had to do it then sort of in your mm. i guess mid 20s um you know before going too far down sort of one yeah. um you know one one alley and i ended up i was speaking to a uh, catching up with a good friend of mine from university and and we were talking about some of our some of our friends our teammates and he mentioned to me that one of our teammates was doing this this master's degree, and you know, he said, "Oh, uh, he's doing this master's degree in you know football industries in Liverpool," and and I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> I said To myself, I'm sorry, like i hes doing a. There's a master's degree to work in the football industry. That's <laughs> incredible. <me> <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't think these things existed. So I was I was uh, I, you know I, I guess I nearly drove off the road, but I I, I was. Um, um, uh, I was very enthused to find out that something like that even existed. I just remember going home and, um, you know, researching what it was. And I thought to myself, this is it, this is what, you know, this is what I'd love to do. Um, mm-hmm. how do I apply, you know, my experience, my business background and, you know, in a, in a sport that's okay, I'm not playing, I'm not playing it anymore, but yep. if I could make a career, Uh, Being an executive, I mean, this wasn't, I I don't, you know, look, we're, Marcus, we're talking about this now. We know how much the industry has evolved in the last, you know, 20 some years, but it wasn't really a major, it wasn't really big business, um, you know, until sort of early 2000s. Right. So, and this is, this is when maybe late 90s, early 2000s. So that's when some of these, you'll know, obviously FIFA master. And Liverpool were the only courses at the time that okay. were designed to basically uh, uh, educate, you know, executives to come into the industry right. and take on some of these new roles around media, um, you know, international international development, mar- uh, uh, sponsorship, and and so on. So I ended up um, I ended up coming out, and well, I applied and I flew out and wanted to make sure that I, I got the. You know, I got to meet people. I didn't know if they were getting five hundred uh, applications or five, but I wanted to make sure that they saw me and they understood how how serious I was I about, you are about you you know it. coming down the score. So and you know, I got accepted, and you know, next thing I knew, I sold my car, I sold my apartment, I you know, I took uh, a lot of my savings and I you know packed up you two know, suitcases I think... and I came over to. um you know, I came over to Liverpool. Liverpool.
0: Oh, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I love it. That's it's a great story. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Nice. Um, <laughs> well, let, let's jump a little bit. So, you graduated. Uh, I think you, you also wrote a uh, maybe you started your first sort of paper there, um, something regarding the soccer in North America commercial opportunities. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you did yeah. it during your MBA or was that your thesis? Or- I did. Yeah, it was part of my. Yeah, it
1: was part of my. It was part of my thesis. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was very, you know, coming coming from the US. My initial idea was to, uh, I mean, I was quite fascinated to how some of these football clubs uh, in Europe and particularly in the UK, obviously the the likes of Man United and you know Chelsea, Arsenal. um, How could they uh, Liverpool? How can they best uh, you know leverage? their appeal in, in a in a market like North America and having right. having come from there, I saw the, the huge appetite that there was for these football clubs. And I, I know you've had many you've you've spent a lot of your time out in Asia. So you understand, you know, what the you know the fandom you know that exists. Absolutely. And I saw that in the US and I wanted to um and I and I thought being you know, coming from the US, this would this is a place where um, maybe I'm uniquely placed to to you know to write a thesis, you know to demonstrate that I understand the way that the whole U.S. system is structured from you know from the um, you know from the youth game to the college game to professional level to you know and 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 sort of everything in between and, and hopefully that you know that piece of work would be useful to clubs that are looking to develop their strategies in North America and how you know how they can go about that.
0: Um, so obviously coming out of this you know the um you know finishing up your MBA you ended up with SoccerX which um yeah. at that time I have to admit I'm not can't quite remember exactly when the when the I guess that sort of program started but it was probably still quite early in the days for them as well uh where they were building their own name and the brand around the world taking the conference uh, globally I've, I've been to it a few times uh um, so how did you end up there? Um, I guess you ended up working in the business development role, role there, right?
1: Yeah. So so one of the um, – you you'll, you'll probably know Jimmy Worrell, who now um, yes. has done a great job you know, with, with with leaders. So Jimmy at the time was a sucker ex. And while, when I was okay. doing the course, um, Jimmy emailed the, the head of the program and asked if, if there might be one or two students who would be interested in coming down to Dubai and doing some research around – uh, you know, around the event, so speaking to oh, yeah. um, you know, speaking to delegates about their experiences, what they like, what they don't, you know, and um, and of course, I you know, I was like, yes, I'll come, I'd love that, you know, any, I was very, very, uh, I was very ambitious on this course. I would have done anything. Um, sure. I used to take, I used to take bus, you know, a, a bus up and down to London to meet people for a coffee, uh, you know, just because I wanted to broaden my network. I came to this country without knowing anyone, so. Um, you know, that for me was the opportunity to, um, you know, to go to what at the time was the only real place where movers and shakers of our industry were getting together. So if yeah. someone was telling me, can you come and you, now you have the opportunity and reason to go and speak to them? Um, I was like, great. So yeah. I did that. And then, so I created, and then I created And then I developed a report following that and presented it to Suckerex, And they were like, wow, this is, you know, um, this is quite impressive. So they um, they said to me at the time, this was this was early in my uh, during my studies that, you know, we, we love we love what you did for us. And, and when you're you know, when you're finishing up, we would love you know to have you down and have you sort of intern and work with us. So, um, you know, for me at the at the time, the most important thing was to was two things. One was to broaden my uh, my network in, in the industry, but also this uh, was to was to get to know the industry as well as I could. And, and I felt that. X was a perfect place to do that because mm. it really was it, it was a place that brought together all the decision makers from so many different areas that were uh that made up our industry be that sponsors or broadcasters right. or suppliers and clubs federations leagues um yep. so um you know i was spending most of my time just soaking up all this information are you meeting you know commercial directors of football clubs are you meeting uh you know um, some of the biggest, uh, you know, some of the biggest broadcasters or, uh, people who are running leagues. And I know I was learning, you know, I was learning a great deal and at the same time, you know, working in a, uh, working in a, as you say, in a business that had so much potential because it was growing. We hadn't, you know, we, we only had an event in, in Dubai at that moment in time. Okay. But part of my role was to, how do we take that? You know, how do we broaden it out? How do we take it to other, um, you know, to other markets and, and I, you know, and I was also thinking about, um, you know, we didn't end up doing much of it, but I was thinking at the time how we can better monetize this incredible audience that we were building, you know, and I think it might have been just ahead of our, I'd like to say that I was ahead of our, uh, the, the, ahead of the time, but mm. you know, I felt that, you know, the idea that you only, you, you bring these people together only for two days, um, and you don't really, um, you don't, create any sort of community where these people can stay connected throughout the year, that you don't offer people who, for whatever reason, can't make it uh, an opportunity to take part in it in some level as well, which we're seeing now, right, whether that's through streaming or, um, you know, those things are not necessarily mutually exclusive. But I felt that the there was an opportunity to make Sucker X much bigger than it was in terms mm-hmm. of the... the, the, the global footprint and, and how it uh, – and the types of uh, services that are offered to people. And I, I, and, and I think you
0: did a bit of it, right? I think in, we were there yeah. almost five – bit more than five years. And our yeah. recall here is that you you obviously helped to expand it into other c- cities like uh, there was the Singapore version, right? Um, I guess. And, yeah, and we took a Singapore, Manchester. Manchester. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was all part of your remit, basically figuring out how to take the the you know take the event or take the the concept around the world, and of course generating new revenue on the back of it, right?
1: Yeah, it, it, exactly, exactly, and, and also thinking about how do we, you know, what is what's our commercial model? I mean, in, in an events business, obviously most of the cost is in is in um, you know the venue and production, and if right. we we're able to. Um, you know, we we understood the value of bringing this type of audience to a you know to a particular place, and it's not too dissimilar to you know how how the you know major events are being hosted, right? Whether it's Formula One or oh, obviously on much bigger scale, uh, or the World Cup. But if we're bringing the most senior decision makers in that you know in the one of the biggest industries of sport together, then cities would be invested in that, and cities would then. We would incentivize cities to provide us with all the, you know, with the facility, with the flights, with the accommodation. If we were able to do that, then we, you know, we're basically eliminating all the cost that we have of running that business. And now we're starting to, you know, really sort of flip the commercial model around. So yeah, I was there that, you know, to mm-hmm. uh, to basically work happened. on all of that. And it was. Yeah.
0: Yes, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah. yeah, I I just had a I hadn't really paid attention to it for a while, but I just looked it up. It's uh, the next one is coming up in Miami in two twenty three, as well as in Rio. So it's uh, now really North America. And uh, I guess kind of shifted his focus on uh, um, uh, good stuff. Uh, but uh, let, let's move yeah, on from move on here um, think, yeah. because it's, you know, we're still really early in your career here. Um, and I want to touch on the next one, which is quite interesting. And it's very short, I know, <laughs> but it's uh, just <laughs> a quite, quite a little fun little story, maybe, or a sad story in some sense, but uh, yeah. tell us, you know, so you ended up uh, getting an offer to come to the Rangers football club, um, yes. you know, in Scotland, but uh, something happened. <laughs>
1: It, yes, something happened. Look, I, I got to a point, as we often do, it you know, in certain roles, where I, you know, I felt it was, I felt it was time to, you know, to have a new challenge. Um, I, I always, at that moment, always wanted to go to a football club, um, not any football club, but I, I was, I was interested in going to work for a football club and I, and to, to learn about the work in and outs of, of, uh, of how a football club is run, you know, from. again, from commercial to media to match day to, you know, to international development, um, finance, everything, you know, player training and everything else. So, um, an opportunity came up. I had a very good, uh, someone I'd met over the years, um, Ali Russell, again, probably be familiar to many of your, uh, maybe to you and many of your listeners is is now with Formula E, um, was prior to Rangers at, um, at QPR. And, you know, Ali got a a chief executive job at at rangers and he he called me and said look i've uh you know we've known each other for such a long time always wanted to work with you um got an amazing opportunity um at rangers because you know it is it is a huge or let's say at at the time i don't want to offend anyone uh, is it is it it, not just a big football club but i mean it's an institution right so and i and um and ali wanted wanted me to come in and help him uh you know tap." Uh, really maximize what the club was doing commercially, but particularly as you know, as it relates to uh, you know international expansion and tapping into again audiences that that Rangers had around the world, particularly in places like India, Australia, North America, and um, you know U.S. and Canada, where there's some big pockets of Scottish uh, of Scottish diaspora. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know, um, you, you could go to a club like Arsenal or Man United or Liverpool and. In many instances, when, it, when you're going in at uh, at a club like that, at a at, a, at um, you know at a certain level, you are unlikely to get exposure to many different parts of that business outside of what you do. But you know the benefit of benefit of of, of this particular job is that you were going. I was going to go in, um, work very closely with the CEO. It's a huge. Pu- huge football club, and I was going to get expo- exposure to yeah, right, yeah. Um, all the different aspects from everything from player training to, you know, match day, you know, operations and everything in between. So mm-hmm. that really appealed to me, um, you know, and I, so I left Sucker X and I took on this job and I was really excited to, And I, you know, we were opening a London office and then, you um, you know, all this stuff stuff starts coming out in the press about the, the owner at the time, his name was Craig White, um, and about everything that's, that has happened over the, over the previous years around, you know, player contracts and the way that, you know, um, um, I suppose the way that the, the contracts were structured and, 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 uh, the taxes were, you know, either, uh, park somewhere offshore. And basically the long story short is, that, is the club was, uh, you know, nice. club was being investigated by, by HMRC. And, you know, and I was asking Ali at the time saying, Hey, is this, you know, this is not, uh, this is not good. And he was <laughs> saying to me like, Oh, it's all, he said to me, no, don't, listen, don't worry. It's all going to blow over. Like this is Rangers football club. Like, you know, like these things just, it's more, Uh, you know, this thing will go away. Uh, Okay, okay. But, you know, obviously, it didn't go away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we often talk about, you know, some clubs being too big to fail, but um, Rangers clearly weren't too big to fail. And, um, you know, not only did they go into administration, they went into liquidation. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was, you know, I I just happened to be there, um, you know, in during that time. So as soon as they, you know, uh, when when um, things took turn for the worse and and administrators were brought in, basically everybody was uh, you know everybody was let let go. So my you know my my time my time at, at at Rangers was relatively short. But you know when again when you look at when we look back at our careers and then, you know Steve Jobs famously said that you know our lives only make sense when you look at them you know looking back not forward. So um, I think still. It was a really important uh, uh, period in terms of my professional development, my personal development. I learned a lot, and um, you know, not everything always goes as planned. You know, mm-hmm. that's, always, that's 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 a good lesson. And um, you know, I thought to myself, look, it's 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 disappointing, but. I couldn't have really done anything in that situation. It's not it wasn't really up to me. And if I was good enough to get that job, I'd be good enough to get, you know, an, another job. Um, well, and so yeah, you know, Which is what happens. One door closes yeah, which, and
0: the next one opens. Um and so uh, we're getting to the world of Mediacom now. Uh, where you are, you spent the last decade now. So I think this started, your career started around 2012. So, you know, we can really talk about the last 10 years, and which is what, exactly what we're doing um, because you had multiple roles and, you know, sort of, you know, as you grew within the company there um, and fell up the career ladder there. Uh, so I really want to dig around that and we're going to spend now, you know, some good time there. But maybe before we go there, as usual, not sure everyone automatically will know what even MediaCom is. Um, yeah. So it is obviously a massive what what you would refer to as a media agency, part of the group b a Group M and, and the WPP network, and that sort of probably frames it a bit for some people already. But tell us a bit more, you know, what the company actually does before we then dig into what the company expects specifically does in the world of sports, which is obviously in the space you're in. Sure. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll try to make it as as, as
1: simple as possible. People who uh, a lot of people will maybe know. Um, WPP group. So it's, um, you probably have yep. 140,000. Yeah. Big, big advertising group, probably anywhere between 120, 140,000, you know, employees of creative agencies, digital agencies, media agencies. Um, within that, within WPP, you have group M, which is, a, which is a media investment group. And all that basically means is that, um, it's a trading, you know, group M is a trading company. Um, that manages, you know, billions of dollars of, of uh, advertising money mm-hmm. um you know around the world. So every about thirty percent of all advertising that you see on television around the world is is managed by Group M. Wow. And, and the the reason it's called Group M is because at the time it was a com- it was a combination of four different agencies. So it was MindShare, Mediacom, mm-hmm. MEC and Maxis. Now now, you know, all of those things you know, I've evolved since then. We don't really have, you know, MediaCom was the last. Uh, well, actually, actually, MediaCom and and, uh, and Mindshare were the last two that were left that were M's, and now it's you know, as you know, we're merging with Essence. But um, basically, what you know, what MediaCom is is it's a you know, it's a it's a media agency, which means its its core business is to invest uh brand money um, in different forms of, in different forms of media. So mm-hmm. from, you know, to traditional media, from linear, you know, linear to you know, digital, social, and yeah, so on. I'll it's our so job to basically, yeah. correct, correct. It's our, um, that is the core, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do we take, you know, um, you know, a hundred million or billion a billion dollars of clients' money and effectively invest that so that, you know, to drive different clients, uh, different objectives. It could be, you know uh you know selling product or raising you know raising awareness that or brand awareness, building yeah. you know building brand you know brand uh brand love and 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 everything in be- sort of uh, everything in between
0: so so you stepped in there as director of partnerships and brands i think that was sort of your first role yeah. again now having framed a bit what the you know what the agency does it's it always appears to me that there is a there is some budget already somewhat sitting there, and you guys now have it figuring out how to best deploy it, um, or do you still have to fight for the budget to deploy it? How does it work?
1: Yeah. So what 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 has traditionally been the case, and it's still the case in many in many instances, that you had you have your media agency that that um, invests in more traditional media channels, mm-hmm. and you have more sort of, uh, I suppose, sponsorship, uh, you know, sports marketing agencies that take clients money and invest it in, in other types of channels, right. channels, what we recognize at the time. And we weren't the only ones to, to do this is that, you know, as the world was evolving, you couldn't, it's impossible to look at it in that, you know, in, in those, uh, in those areas as if they have nothing to do with each other. So, you know, if you, if we work on behalf of, let's say, Coca-Cola, um, we know more about Coca-Cola's business probably than they do. Um, yeah. about their cat about their business, about their competitors, about the category, about the um about the customers, about the channels. So if we we need to start thinking about when you think about partnerships that you do in, in, in broader culture, whether that's in sport and music or or talent. Um, those things are not unrelated to media and you have to think of that. You have to think of all these things together, right? And if we were able to start bringing these areas together and rather, rather than treating them as, as, as silos, then we would be, um, we would be more effective in what we were able to deliver for our clients. So that's, you know, that's the, um, that's the idea and it was born out of the fact that the you know there was this convergence of everything um that was happening in in the sort of media advertising marketing worlds and we needed to we needed to uh, manage that in a in a more effective way for clients.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I've been on the see my whole life on the agency side, uh, on well, on the sports marketing agency side. And sometimes groups like Group M or Metercom, they were your partner because you both sort of working together on behalf of that client. Um, you know, where you guys managing the money and we're figuring out how to. Bring new ideas and concepts to you, um, or sometimes you are competitors, right? Because you're basically going after the same money. <laughs> on the, on yeah, no, exactly. Exactly.
1: Well I think what we what we recognize is that they used to have all these agencies out there um, who were you know independent agencies who were doing quite well, and we thought to ourselves, well, what we we if we could build something like that in house, hmm. we have a much more compelling story because. You know the 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 benefit that we have is that is our understanding and knowledge of the client, right, right and their right. category. So we we in in theory, um, if we if we're successful in doing this. We should be. Um, we should have a much more compelling proposition than having those areas be separated. That yeah. was, you know, that's yeah. where. And, where and, we came and from. I don't
0: know if you remember, you know, remember Thomas Martins. Um, actually, of WPB course. bought his agency. I can't remember the what his name of the company was now, but that obviously, I tried it, and for all intents and purposes, for what I know from Thomas' side, at least, it didn't really work well, uh, for whatever reason. Mm. Um, but you know, that's another story altogether. But uh, yeah. let's talk a bit about then you know because i think you know this is where i want to go now first uh before we go back to the brand side of it because i think that's always fascinating how you know how you really make sure you maximize that as investment dollar, right? And and I'd really love to hear your yes. side on that because that's obviously what you want at the end of the day. You have to deliver something to the client, uh, which they recognize as was worth our money. But let's talk a bit about Mr. Pele first, right? Obviously, mm. um, you know sadly passed away very recently here, so it is uh, you know somewhat uh, very recent as well. Um, or, or timely for us to, to talk about the man, the goat, the, the superstar out there. Because I, I believe part of your early role in the company was to uh, to be responsible for his brand, him, you know, for, for building his brand. And, of course, then you know, at the end of it, commercializing, you know, creating commercial partnerships around it. So talk us through that a bit. You know, what were you yeah, doing so with him was- and all the fun stuff, you know, some fun stories with, yeah. about Pele incredible um you know
1: i think we, this is where it's when i sometimes think about where i grew up and how i grew up um you know going back to our conversation in the beginning you know growing up in uh you know in ukraine and then at some point in your life all of a sudden you're you know i'm on the plane to uh i'm on a plane to uh sao paulo to go yeah. you know to go meet pele because my new client i mean it's it's just it seemed it all seemed like uh some, some crazy dream. And <laughs> I and I, you know, I thought one day I would walk yeah, that I would wake up and but that's you know, but but that's that that is what happened and um it the the way it came about is that um our CEO had a very good relationship with the um with with a company with a with a with a gentleman who was the CEO of a company that owned Pele's uh, IP rights, Great. and because we're a big marketing advertising, yeah, well, Paul Kemsley. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're a big media advertising uh, group, you know, he said, um, as Steve said to Paul, said, "Look, we can take on, you know, the the management of is you know, sort of uh, ext- commercial." Uh, extensions and so on. And because we have, you know, we, we our access and our understanding yeah, of that world is, money. is, is, uh, correct. Correct. So, and I was brought in to do that. Now I've never done that kind of work before, so I'm pleased. And I am Steve and I have since, since become very, very good friends. And obviously it all worked out really well, but, um, you know, they were looking for someone who had, who was uh, who had commercial experience, who was, who was well-versed in this, in the, in the football industry, who was well-connected. And I suppose I take those boxes on some level and, and, and they, maybe took a bit of a leap of faith on me, but, um, but yeah, I came in, it was basically a blank canvas. They asked they said, we've got Pele and, you know, we need to, um, you know, we need to make the, 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 you know, the most of his brand. So on one hand, how do we, how do we make him as relevant as possible? And I know that might sound crazy to some people, but you know, at the, at the same time, you know, as big as Pele was, you know, we live in the world of the here and now and a lot of, young people for example wouldn't have necessarily been as um uh, not just necessarily as familiar yeah. but as attached to someone in like like Pele I mean we, we yeah. took him on as a client he was he was 72 years old yeah right? I was just so, gonna say
0: he must have been in it, his 70s right when we were what yeah. talk about now so, so you know way beyond his uh his playing days and and or anyone yeah. really recognizing him you know as a you know what he did on the field.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So, and I, you know, and I, I'll be honest, I had, as much as I admired Pelé and someone who's grown up on, on football, um, it, it, this was, this was, this was a dream, but, but I did, I wasn't sure in the beginning what kind of appetite there would be, um, for someone in, you know, for someone in their seventies. But, hmm. you know, what, what I, what I, uh, you know, what I realized is that it's like in any business. I think you have to, if once you, once you take the time and, and understand what you have you know, and who it's for, like who is your audience, um, and what you know, what's so what's unique about your, you know, your your I guess say product or proposition. Mm. And if you're you know, if if you can connect those dots, um and I, what I understood was that yes, Pele may not be, you know, someone who's you know who's necessarily relevant to, you know, to young people, but in the world of sport, or you know, or just in the world—forget even sport—I mean, Pele was someone who transcended sport. He—he—he mm. he, he was the most iconic, one of the most iconic personalities on the planet, probably yeah. alongside, uh, yeah. you know, at the time Muhammad, Muhammad Ali, Ali and uh, and and uh, Nelson Mandela, mm. right? So, and I think once I think once you frame it that way, and also we were talking about we were, we we had we were working with pele right before the you know fifa world cup and right before brazil were about to host the biggest mm. uh two biggest sporting events sure. on the planet in fifa world cup and the olympic games so you talked about we, we, we here here we have someone who um who represents so much in the yeah. world right and, and 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 trends not just in in what he has achieved on on you know in the sporting arena but but how he's viewed
0: by, and he's uh, Brazilian, no and people. all these events are happening and he's in Bras- Brazil. So.
1: Those, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, we quickly, correct, correct. So you know, my 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 vision at the time was, you know, it's it's not about sort of maximizing and getting as many people in and getting having Pele flying all over the world and doing a million things. It's all about, you know, he's, you know, he's a diamond, right? He's the most. It's, you've got to treat him like a precious diamond. It means it's not for everybody. Yeah. Um, it's for very very few. And, and I knew that if we were if we were successful in, in, in building that narrative and that story and we understood who that's you know, who that narrative was uh, well, uh, most aligned with, um, then and it was really all about sort of fewer, bigger, better. You know, I wanted to build sort of a, a, a family of partners around him, maybe five or six partners who were some of the biggest and most iconic companies in the world in what they do. Right. So and that you know hence uh, why we partner with someone like Coca-Cola or Procter and Gamble I mean you know these are pioneering companies right mm-hmm. and 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 by association and I remember thinking we have to you know the, the the first company we have to sign is Coca-Cola because you know that that in itself speaks volumes to the world around Pele's, you know, appeal and his relevance. Cause you know what it's like sometimes other brands look at, look at what sure. others do yeah. and they say, Oh, okay, well, yeah. you know, if Coca-Cola thinks that Pele's is, yeah, then cool. we, think. so yeah. that's kind of, that's kind of how it was. And we ended up working with some incredible companies from Emirates to, you know, there's Emirates, the biggest, you know, the best yeah. airline in the world to Hublot to Procter and Gamble and, you know, Coca-Cola.
0: Um, and, did, were yeah, you involved it was, in the you know, Mastercard? The, the MasterCard deal? No, no, this uh, was before. You no, this, was okay. before yeah, right. this was before. Yeah, this was before my time. I, so, when I think of one, that's actually the one I probably always have yeah. first in my mind. Interesting enough. Uh you know, he was all over MasterCard, obviously, for years. Many, many years. Yeah. Many I think
1: that relationship that relationship went for you know for at least a decade, if not, you know, if not longer, someone mm. will correct me on that. But um But yeah, I mean look, it gave me uh you know what was interesting for me obviously other than spending um, many many days and you know in in weeks and months in, you know in in Pelé's company but you know it opened up so many doors as well right i mean when you when you have a client like that you're meeting heads of state you're meeting CEOs of, of uh, some of the biggest companies in the world uh-huh. it was uh, you know it was incredible incredible experience from from every um, you know, from yeah, from from every perspective. So um, uh, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful.
0: A couple more questions before we sort of you know move on here. But uh, one is, give me a sense. And again, I know maybe you know, you can mention, you can't say specific, but I'd love to just always get a sense of you know why are we talking about dollars and cents here? Um, you know, what would be brand spending with him? Um, I do recall ages ago that we had some conversation, I think, with him as well. And you know, in all, it's always at least several million dollars, of course, before you even yeah. before they get out of bed. But uh, you yes. know, give me an idea. What was the sort of value you guys you guys were able to generate for them um, on a year-to-year basis, yes. or maybe on a on a uh, sort of sponsor by sponsor basis?
1: Yeah, we we were. I mean, it was in the it was in the millions. I would just say, you know, I would just say that to you know, I guess to to. Um, if that's the question, if you're asking what they were, you know, yeah, if so you're you know, what exactly they were what, investing, you know, yeah, and the I mean, multi-year yeah,
0: deals, I mean, right? Yeah, um, multi-year deals, pl- correct.
1: I mean, again, that's 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 all part of that's all part of the strategy. Is that you know when I'm going to, um, you know, when you're going to Emirates, you're saying, you know, Pele is not going to turn up on five different commercials, you know, during the World Cup. Um, That's the value when you're paying. Let's just say if you're paying a million, if you're buying into you buying into this relationship, we're buying into you. Hmm. Right. So you are going to be one of, you know, one of very, very few partners that we're going to work with. But we're going to invest in you and clients see value in that. Right. Because otherwise, you know, if you are, you know, if you're saying to one client, all we're going to do is a multi-year deal and it's going to cost you, you know, at least a million dollars. And then you're turning up and doing an appearance for a hundred thousand. That doesn't, that doesn't work. Mm. Um, and it does, that's not to say that a hundred thousand or 200,000 or 300,000 is not a lot of money, but it's inconsistent. Mm. Right. So um, there is a, you know, you can't walk into, I used to use an analogy. You can't walk into a Bentley dealership and say, well, all I have is, you know, all I have is 50,000. It's like, well, if you have 50,000, there's plenty of places where you can buy a car, that's but true. you can't buy a Bentley. Right. So, it wasn't i i was quite open about it. it's not for everyone um but, you know we 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 wanted to we didn't have you know in, i mean in 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 practical terms you know probably didn't want to be spending most of his year on the plane right so we had a certain amount of days that we were working with like he was happy to travel he was happy to take to um so we had to manage that we had to manage those days very very carefully so if you only have 50 days let's say in a year or whatever it was at the time, that um, we had to be very careful about how we, you know, how we maximize those days across, you know, select few, you know, select few partners. And what right. we found was, it's almost like, you know, what if you compare to how, what the Champions League does, right? What UEFA does, they say, hey, we have eight partners and that's it. Not 12, not 14, it's eight. Right. Um, yes, they pay a
0: premium to be one of those eight, but there's only eight. Yeah minimize the supply absolutely yes, uh, you It know, works yes. in many industries and uh, and for sure here you just, know where you where you're min- minimizing how many partners he has and and there are many other examples right? the Michael Jones of the world and others who again similarly do these things and um, it's great to hear and, and that's why i spent a little time on it not just because obviously he sadly passed away and everywhere it's topical but uh but also you know that people see how the longevity of a superstar like him is right he's in the 70s and, and yeah. he's still making millions of dollars of course on the on the images on the likeliness and uh that's incredible now before we move on from him i love to just you know as you said you spend days and hours there with him a little personal uh story here of you know giving the sense of what we all hear about right how, how what a, how nice he was and how this and that but you know give us one story which maybe touched you the most or, or kind of reflects that the person he was
1: uh, sure sure. I mean I could. there's there's so many but I, 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 think an hour doing I, I think yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I what what really what um what really struck me was just how um just how humble he was and how much and how much he genuinely cared about people. So I'll give you an example. We came we had a uh, we visited visited Cairo. Uh, as part mm-hmm. of the work we were doing with Coca-Cola at the time, mm-hmm. and Pele always wanted to know, um, you know, who is who is involved, what are we doing, what's the process? Like he wasn't just turning up and just sort of smiling and shaking hands. He right. was he wanted to be involved. So I remember the, the the evening that we that we arrived there, we were having dinner. He always liked having dinner late. Um, and it just it was just um, it's what he did. You could eat at like eleven o'clock at night. And he was asking about the people who met us at the airport and and you know the the names and so on. And then we and then I talked we talked him through, you know, the plan for the next day. And you know, first of all, when you know when we knock on his door at twelve o'clock to go, he's suited and booted and he's ready to go. He knew that people there were waiting for him, right? So right. he knew there was a schedule. We we're going from one event to a press conference to a uh You know, to um, you know, to a launch, to a video shoot, and and he knew that so much had gone into planning for that, and he wasn't going to let people down. So that's Mm. you know, that's one thing. Mm. Just the pure professionalism of the guy, where you know, I think we often don't see that from you know, from uh, I suppose stars or famous people. Um, But when we arrived at the press conference, I mean, it was it was chaos. Uh, People were you know. all fighting, trying to get trying to get a question in before uh, the first question in. And and I remember like it was yesterday and he, he, someone asked him a question and he said, excuse me, just before I answer that question and he pointed to the corner of the, the back, you know, back corner of a room where you had two Coca-Cola um, employees who basically were, were managing his whole trip out mm-hmm. there, right? And they were very much in the background and, and I, I can't remember their names now, but he did at the time. And he mm-hmm. said, I just wanted to thank my friends, um, and he named and he named you know for, uh, for for the opportunity to be here to be here with you in this you know in this beautiful country. I haven't been here in 40 years, and it's you know so wonderful to to be welcome here in this way. And and um, this wouldn't have been possible without all the hard work and you know and the and the energy that that these wonderful people. Mm, but and so I and you should have seen. I mean, they had tears coming down. That's you real. know, be, and here here was he didn't need to do that. And you think this is Pele. How does he even remember their names in mm. all of this, you know, sort of chaos that's going on. Right. But I think, you know, to me that, that showed the type of person that he was, you know, he, mm. nice. he wanted to, he always used the spotlight that he had, um, you know, to, to share it with other people, you know, to show other people that he genuinely appreciated the, you know, the, the attention he generated, appreciate everything that people did for him. And I, to me, that spoke volumes, volumes about the type of person it was. I, I think I, I'll never forget the look on these people's faces. I mean, it was just, it was just beautiful. And and that's just the kind of guy that it was.
0: Yeah. No, great story. I love it. Uh, and, and definitely sort of uh, reflects uh, amazing how, who, who he is as a person. So now let's get back a little bit more to the business side of the, of the of our yeah. conversation here, you know, as much as we could probably spend just talking about Pelé the whole time. Um, now, obviously as part of your job and in 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 your career within Mediacom it is as you said it is about deploying um, your client's money, right? And I think uh, somewhere I read uh, in your in your notes, uh, you know, you spent you 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 put about a billion dollars worth of uh, of money, in as investments, both in the B two B and B two C opportunities, um, with some of the biggest properties on the planet, whether it's the IOC, UEFA, F one, NFL, NBA, uh, and even esports, I believe, right? So I, I want to touch really? a bit on that, uh, and maybe we'll pick a couple of examples which you feel are really highlighting. A, the work you guys do, but also B, what is a successful partnership? What is a successful sponsorship? Maybe one B2B and one B2C, again, for people to really understand what brands are looking for and then how companies like yourself or like your agency uh, makes that happen and ensures that it works for both sides. Sure, sure. I mean, look, I,
1: I, I'm a big believer that um, – that in, in how we work and in what we create, we have to tr- we'll always try to create value, right? So I never, I've never looked at sponsorship as a, as a transaction between a brand and a, you know, and a, and talent or a brand and a, and a, and a property. Right. Um, there is, you know, I, I think there is, and when you do that, I think you, um, you miss out on on huge amount of value that can be created. And I think that's where a lot of, that's where a lot of brands go wrong. So, you know for me they the, you know the, there has to be there has to be a reason for for a partner to, to be there right so when you when you think about uh um some of the best some of the best uh sponsorships um there is a, there is a reason for for a brand to be you know associated with that property and the way they bring that the, the way they bring that collectively together right. um the way they execute the best you know the, the best examples is where one plus one equals three uh nice. and i think for such a long time what always used to frustrate me is just the transactional nature of what sponsorship industry had become mm-hmm. you know so you know you have a property and they say hey we have you know we have some uh real estate on the back of our shorts or mm-hmm. on the front of our shirt or our mm-hmm. training kit yeah. and you know Trousy we can you know in, the yeah whatever it is right say. so and I, and and rarely and rarely as have we given a, a, have we given a lot of thought to, you know, why, you know, the, the why, right? So why do people care? You know, why would anyone care that you are on, okay, you're on this, you know, you're maybe on the shirt of such and such. And, and that's, and that's great. But, and you know, how can we create something that's uh, that genuinely creates value for both parties? Right. right. And I think that that's, Unfortunately, that's not as rare, you know, sorry, it's not as, it's not as frequent as, as you know, we'd like to, we'd like to see it. So when that's, that's where we, that's how we try to work. When we think about, um, when we think about taking our, our clients into certain opportunities, we don't say, well, sports, the answer, what's the question we think about, like, what is the, you know, what is the challenge we're trying to solve Mm -hmm. for a particular client? And sometimes it's maybe it's awareness or sometimes it's, uh, you know, repositioning or sometimes it's, you know, how do we drive, you know, perhaps uh That's trial, a product, so right. on and so forth. Yeah, correct. You know, we're, or we're going into a new country. Um, it's, it's um, you know, what's the, and, and, and then you go into, a, and what is the, you know, what's the best vehicle to deliver that right. now, you know, you, you look at sort of the, I guess my, my job title now, and the reason it, it is what it is when you think about culture, because I think, Sport, music, film, gaming, talent original, they're all part of popular culture. That they're all basically ways in which are in which people or you consumers are spending their time, right? Mm-hmm. So my our role is to is to look at how do we show up in this world, right? So mm-hmm. how do we show up in a in a way that that doesn't interrupt the experience, right? How do we right. show up in a way that where our brand has a reason for being, where our brand has a um, you know has a role to play where perhaps we have a unique role that other brands can't you know can't particularly play. Yeah. Um and so and I think for me that's always been uh, you know that's that's always been the motivating factor in in, in, in how we It's almost more sublimable yeah. than
0: than being in your face, right? As a brand you really never want to be in the face of the fan, right? You don't want to be in the way yeah. of the action of the sport right. but you want to make sure that they remember you, right? And that is the hard part. Correct.
1: Correct. I, I will say, don't interrupt the, the, don't, don't interrupt the things. People love Correct. be the thing people love. Mm. Right. Yeah, so, nice. and, and that's the, you know, and I think that's the most important thing. And if and I, and, and if more for me, if more brands or agencies, when they think about how they, you know, how they uh, show up, if they ask themselves that question more often, I mm. think we would have, you know, we would really raise the level of the type of work that we see. Um, rather than seeing, like, what is the, what, how can we uh, maximize the visibility of, you know, of, of where we are, which is okay, I understand that that's part of that. But, you know, in a, in, a, in a world where there's so much competing for people's attention, that's just not enough.
0: Yeah. Now, c- come back. Do you have maybe one example where you've you feel you guys did an amazing job? At, I mentioned you mentioned something about ent- Frankfurt here um, or, sure, yeah. or others. Maybe just yeah. one example to give you know, bring some meat to sort of what we're talking about here. Yes.
1: Yeah. Sure. So, I mean, I think I interact example is an interesting one. So, for those for um, for those people who are listening who are not not aware, so um indeed has been a partner has been the the main partner for Eintracht for I think uh, six years now and, and and still going so it's a basically it's like Google for jobs right mm-hmm. so it's a okay. it's the biggest job search uh, search engine in the world they had a they had a huge challenge in Germany being one of the biggest labor markets that there was another there was a competitor called stepstone mm-hmm. in um I think it's called stepstone um in uh, in Germany. And nothing that the client has done in the past, in terms of their creative, in terms of their media makes, you know, would shift the dial. People just didn't really understand or care about the brand. Mm-hmm. So the, the the question to us was, you know, is there another way? Is there another way that we can show up in Germany that will that will help people understand what we do and how we do it, and 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 so on. And oh. You you'll know in in Germany is quite unique as a sports market because it yes. has such a has such a strong hold on football. You have football, 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 then maybe Formula One and you know handball, but football is is very developed. Bundesliga is hugely developed, and you know without going into too much detail, you know we landed on the opportunity to partner with a you know with a club like Eintracht Frankfurt, mm-hmm. um, and the reason and the reason we wanted to do that is um, first of all the way that it's a one, one club, uh, you know, one city, one club. It's a major, you know, Frankfurt is a, is a business capital of, of Germany, yep. uh, which was important, you know, which was important for indeed, because what, what they really wanted to do was engage with, you know, with decision makers in, in human resources. Great um, but also, but also what they, what they wanted to make sure is that they did they weren't seen to be buying into the culture, right? So if you go into um, and spend the money on buying Munich, you're almost sort of paying for, you know, uh, for fandom, right? Mm-hmm. So you're, you're, you're buying into success that already exists. Right. And what indeed actually wanted to demonstrate as a company is that, you know, careers um, are squiggly, right? So your know, career is not a straight line. Mm-hmm. So you're not always on the up, you know, it's, no, no, I don't yeah. know when you talk about my, my experience at Rangers, right? right? So right. sometimes you're up, sometimes you're down. Um, and, and, who is a perfect example of that? You know, in in, in the context, you know, in the context of Germany of the Bundesliga. I mean, that's Eintracht Frankfurt, right? So, some, you know, one one day they're fighting for relegation, then you know, next season they're up in you know in the yeah, in the, the Champions in, League. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, so um, you know, of course, you know, I I would I should I could sit here now and tell you that I knew that all of this was going to happen, but you know, they've gone through an incredible period in the last sort of sure. five years. But Absolutely. you know, but there was. What I guess what I'm what I'm saying is that there was an incredible um, alignment between you know what the two organizations you know w- what the two organizations wanted to get from a partnership right, right. you know they other outside of being uh, you know um, a search engine they're a hugely successful tech business mm-hmm. right and what what and uh, and Eintracht wanted to work with with Indeed because they were on the, on, a, on a digital transformation journey so there was a lot there was a lot going on in that relationship and. Um, you know, what they're doing behind the scenes, um, how they're, you know, how they're showing up in terms of creative. And, you know, again, this idea of, you know, you're not always, you know, you, uh, you know, in in the game, sometimes you have right place, right time and you score, right. Again, it's all about, you know, jobs, right place, right time. Um, There's lots of narratives that you can play on in football and they, and, and bringing these two parties together in the way that we did um, and the fact that they're still together, and 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 it's been voted the most, um, I think it was the that indeed are the favorite sponsor in Bundesliga. I think speaks volumes for for how, okay. uh, you know, how they've been able to uh, endear themselves to the German public, considering that indeed is not a you know is not a it doesn't exist in German language, right? So I mean, there's yeah. there's a, there a big barrier to not just to drive awareness, but to drive. Um, you know, meaning and differentiation, yeah. so that yeah. was yeah. A nice example,
0: good example. now I, yeah. I have a question here um now because you know which side are you guys are mostly on before the client makes a decision as a new help, analyze which property they should be investing in? And or or is, are you also then part of helping leveraging it, right, and spending additional money to, you know to, to really make sure you maximize both. the opportunity buying it. You're on both sides. Okay.
1: Yeah, we're on both sides. And it all depends. You know, sometimes uh, you know, sometimes you're doing everything from start to finish, from you know, from strategy to negotiation to execution, and sometimes you know, we might do the strategy negotiation. The client might be working with someone else in the execution. So it really depends on right. on the existing structure that might already be in place for that client. But That's indeed, perfect. we're, for example, we're new into that space. So we were doing a lot of that work for them. Makes sense.
0: Now, again, in the old days, there was always this sort of, I think, uh, if you read textbooks, I would argue, even um, it's like okay, for every dollar you spend on the on the sponsorship deal or on the engagement yeah. with the with the with the property, you'd spend another dollar or two on the other side. Now, I don't really? believe that's necessarily true anymore, and I'm sure there is gone kind of every variation of that. But uh, what was it? If you would sort of uh, uh, look at it where you are now, what is it? What you see is that what is the norm? Because the problem I see a lot of times is the brands don't spend enough money. They spend it all buying into it, but mm-hmm. have almost Correct. nothing left, which means they just expect the property to do it all for them, which we all know doesn't happen. And that's when everyone then ends up walking away from it and saying, ah, it didn't work. Well, it didn't work because a lot of times the brands actually don't do their job or their part of the job, I would argue. Correct. Uh, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I agree.
1: I think this is what we, when we advise clients, you know we, we always um, we always account for what it would actually what would it actually take to achieve our objectives and i think signing you know i think the, the as I, I couldn't agree more with you just signing the deal um it's just the beginning if you don't you know and and again i would say that 90% of what we see is just that mm-hmm. right you you don't read either either there is an expectation um, that's that alone will do the job, which it doesn't, or there is lack of, you know, there is lack of planning and understanding of what, what you actually have to do to, you know, to, you know, to bring that to life because, you know, whether you, whether you sponsor a football team or a formula one team or NFL, you know, you have to remember there are thousands of other partners who are in that space. So on any given weekend, if you're a formula one sponsor, let's say there's probably a thousand, you know, a thousand partners, for, out there, no, you know, in I'm some shape for or form. The we're stuff. activating. So buying right. for the same attention. So just yep. because you have a logo in the car, you know, you have to you have to work really hard to try um go back to what we were discussing earlier, to be part of that conversation, to right. get people to notice you and say, Oh, that's why you're there. And this yep. is why I right. care. And this is why it's interesting. So um Absolutely. in terms in terms of like whether that's 1.5 or 1.7 two, that really that that depends on uh that depends on what the client's objectives are and and sometimes you have a much bigger job to do if you're you know if you are a I don't know if you're a Coca-Cola it's one thing everyone knows what Coca-Cola is but if you're crypto.com it's a different thing right so mm-hmm. You have to. You probably have to overinvest in some some type of activation if you're a brand that is relatively unknown. Correct. Um, but I would certainly, um, I would certainly advise that it's probably anywhere between sort of, you know, one point five or you know, two to one.
0: All right. Okay. Cool. That's interesting. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I you know I've done a bunch of these things over my career, um, but sure. you not know, probably more as lately, late, uh, you know, like you have. So I'd be just curious to to understand that. Um, really interesting stuff. Now let's talk a bit about. I know you also work work you know on the from your you know stories with Pelé. The, you guys are doing a bunch of work with other acid as well, right? From uh, Ötzel to you know Vinny Junior and others. And um, what do you see? When, when, when we have these conversations over the years with with a, with a brand, you're looking at what can you invest in, right? You could get become part yeah. of the league or Formula One, you know, the entire race series. Then you have a team or you have the athlete and they all have different things, yeah. right? The athlete is maybe the most... Uh, uh, the interactive part because, you know, you're dealing with mm-hmm. a human being there. The other one is a team, which is whatever, whether it's football club or Formula One, and then you have a league, which is probably the most anonymous portion of it, right? There isn't really... Yeah they don't talk, but it also is the safest part because very likely the league doesn't do anything stupid versus an athlete can do is the opposite of it. Right. <laughs> As we know. Yeah. Um, correct. How do you guys balance that? How do you manage the risk factors and, or the, is it really just beca- depends on what the brand's appetite is and how they understand what they're getting or how are you guys deal with this?
1: Sure. I mean, look, there's two, there's, there's two parts. I mean, one from a, from a brand, from a brand perspective, um, the brands have brands. Do you understand that there's an, there is always an element, some element of risk, right? And then you can, um, you just have to see if the brand has the appetite for that. Mm -hmm. Um, and also how you, how perhaps you manage that contractually, you know, should anything ever, you know, come up that, um, and, and, and to be honest, in my experience, you know, if, when, whenever things have happened with our clients or others, um, People, it's all—it's all about how you react. I don't think that brands have to really worry about. Oh wow, we were associated. You know, yes, you—you you know, Adidas were associated with, um, you know, Kanye West. West when when, yeah, he said yeah, when he said we the said they they, they said we you know we're we're out right. So it's not it's. I don't think I don't think people hold, uh, you know, people don't hold brands accountable unless they unless they they don't react in the right way. So I don't think there's a there's a huge risk necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we found with talent and how we've sort of built uh, the work that we do with talent is that, you know, we almost we we work with talent in the way that we would work with brands. Right. With a, so if we understand how some of the most successful companies are built, whether that's Apple or Disney or Coca-Cola or Amazon. Um, you know, how they, you know, what's the, what's their brand uh, essence all about, you know, how they understand, you know, who's their audience, what's the, you know, how they deliver. If you, if you apply that to talent, which in today, today, they talent is media, right? I mean, you have, uh, you know, we see it all the time. People always use Cristiano Ronaldo, but there are many athletes, you know, Vinicius Jr. has 50 million followers, Mm -hmm. 50 million. I mean, show me a football club Yep. that has 50 million followers, you know, you, 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 you'll, you'll struggle to find, you know, you, you'll struggle to find many. Yeah. So if you, in if you are becoming, or, or if the athletes now, because of the way that we interact, the fans interact in the way of, you know, the, the world of social media, if they're becoming media companies, then we have to, then we have the opportunity knowing what we know. And of, from about the platforms and about marketing and about brands and we have the opportunity to work with it, with talent to help them uh, to basically to become a brand in their own right. right. And I don't Absolutely. mean I'm not talking about launching their own brand, but you know how do you? Hey, Vinny, if you want to attract commercial opportunities, for example, you have to build an audience uh, in China or you have to start to speak English or you have to start to create content that is more relevant to women. You know, like, right. I mean, all sorts of things like that, Absolutely. which on the face of it, you don't necessarily recognize because you go, Oh, look at his audience. And then you say, well, actually it's, I'm making this up. It's 80% male or it's mostly in Brazil. You, how do we help right. to take talent on that journey? So they, they, uh, eventually start to, um, you know, attract the commercial opportunities to them, right? right. Because because they have so much, uh, because they have so much appeal.
0: Yeah. And I think that's that's an interesting shift, probably over the last twenty years, is that athletes themselves, like you said, you know, they've always were stars, right? But there wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily as much of an outlet for them to make that to communicate. Now they have dozens of outlets, right, and their own platforms in a sense, whether it's on Facebook, or on TikTok, or God knows what platform they're using, Instagram, etc., uh, where they are can communicate directly to their fans, and so the fans, you know, have a one-on-one in a sense relationship, which was never really the case in the old days, right? Um, where yes, they were driving, they're playing football, they're doing whatever, but you know, wh- when did you really ever hear from them talking, you know, out loud outside of a whatever interview on the pitch, right? So I think that is the unique part, right? That these these superstars are just becoming, you know, as you said, brands themselves. Yeah, they have
1: a lot more. In the, in the past, to your point, in the past, you needed mainstream media to make you a star. That's no longer Correct. the case. Correct. Right. So they, you know, they have complete control over the narrative and how, you know, how they want to come across in, you know, in the world. You know, what do they want to be known for? Um, you know, what's the, you know, how they want to communicate. They want to come across so they you know and you know social the proliferation of, of you know all these social platforms as, enab- as, as enable has enabled them to do that and I think what we're seeing now and you know recent examples of you know some of the conflicts that you see between for example for example mbappe and the French you know Federation is an example of how far this has come so because the power of the athlete has become so big that it's in many instances now the players can dictate, to the rights, you know, and and you know, um, and how they negotiate their contracts about you know the power of their image rights. It's a really interesting okay. space.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Now I want to go a little bit well, while we still got a little bit of time here, a couple of minutes. Um, you know, you're, you're, as you said, your role is global head of sports, and entertainment, and culture. And culture, of course, uh, is a broad area. Now, um, I know you you're doing some work in the gaming and esports space, um, and I want to yeah. get there in a second. But I, I also before I wanted to ask you. You know how do you guys deal with you know these new uh, let's call them uh, influencers or superstar creators um like mr. Beast you know which is the, one of the biggest mm. youtubers in the world which just does a lot of crazy things but has these unbelievable uh, following around the world are you guys working with them in the same way you would work with a sports athlete or you know wh- what's your role in correct. the area
1: correct we don't differentiate um, you know we, we don't have it, 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 we don't have uh a strategy where we say, well, we, we partner with, you know, our, how do we partner with sports athletes or how do we partner with musicians? You know, our, our objective is different, you know, for every client it's, and usually it's about in, in our business, uh, in terms of what I run, it's about how do we, how do we drive relevance to accelerate growth, right? So it's all about how our clients are showing up in popular culture. Um, we're agnostic. So we're, you know, our only interest is, is uh, what's the shortcut to culture with that particular brand and that maybe that could be uh you know that maybe that's an nfl player who is really into collecting watches for example when we're working with with uh with ebay mm-hmm. for instance or sneakers or it might be you know a, a tiktok influencer who is you know who is he's got his own cooking show mm-hmm. um you know for you know for a different client it really doesn't you know we we don't differentiate right. our
0: so you look our pretty much most- at the whole spectrum right
1: at the whole spectrum. And, and I think that's, you know, that's where I find the role quite fascinating because you know, where the way people are spending their lives, it's not like, you know, it's not like, or oh, whether well, they're, they're watching sport and they're listening to music. No, they're gaming, they're watching the game. Uh, uh you know, they're watching sport. They are, you know, there may be, uh, you know, uh, they're on TikTok, and how do we find, uh, the right way to show up in those environments? In a way that they that where we're adding value to their experience, right? So, can we partner with particular talents? You know, as you just mentioned, a YouTuber, and create something that is really valuable for our That's audience. Cool. That's what we're thinking about, and cool. and rather than, um, you know, any any uh, whether. Being and uh, deciding beforehand which pillar we want to go down.
0: Uh, and that makes total sense, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah. That totally, I can see the logic there. Now, let's talk a bit about gaming. Um, obviously, it's, it, it exploded in some sense um, during COVID because everyone was stuck at home and therefore more and more people playing it around the world. The, the number is three close to 3 billion gamers globally. That's obviously from someone who might play Candy Crush uh, to someone who takes it a little more serious in, in what you would consider himself an eSports Player, uh, again, what when you guys look at this because it is so large, right? And you have so many different yeah. games. I mean, think about how many sports we have. That's you know, you add this, you look at this from a gaming world. It probably is even larger uh, and constantly evolving as well, right? You can see every other week you have a mm-hmm. new game launching, so it's it is a little more convoluted, maybe in that sense. Um, how do you guys look at this, and where do you see the opportunities for brands in this space?
1: So. A similar approach, to be honest, that we that we've taken in in, um, in in broader sort of sports marketing work that we've done over exactly. the years. I mean, for us, it's all about navigation. So it all starts with the it all starts with the brand. It all starts with their audience, right? So and and we try we basically try to to mirror the audience that our that our clients are looking to connect with. with the the most relevant entry, with the most relevant area in the world of, I guess now we call it sort of gaming web, you know, metaverse and, you know, web three. Um, so you look, what, what does that mean to your point? Sometimes it means that it's, it's maybe it's a large, largely, uh, you know, maybe a, I don't know, a female audience that we're trying to reach. And we might partner with, um, you know, with one of the mobile games because mobile games are, you know, um, are, are mostly played by you know let's say by a particular audience or you know we work with you know, we're working with sky broadband and it's sky broadband who are looking at uk who want to be you know who um want to demonstrate the, you know their capabilities in terms of their you know in terms of their um in terms of their signal and and they want to be the 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 um the choice uh broadband for you know for gamers mm-hmm. and that in and in that instance we partner with someone like uh, like guild esports team and work right. with david beckham and that team there right. it really de- again it really depends depends on the brand depends on the country depends on the audience and what we found and and in other instances we're building experiences in Roblox or so launching you know uh, launching a new collection of uh you know of um of Lacoste you know, in a you know, in a game, okay. right? So, it's um, you know, everything from you know, I, I, for us, it's about how w- how do we uh, how do we navigate that world? How do we navigate gaming? Um, you know, who, what are we trying to do and where and, and who are we trying to speak to? Um, and and that's how we end up arriving at you know, maybe we create certain experiences in in um, in Fortnite, you know, like we're doing for mm-hmm. uh, we're doing with a, with a client now. Maybe it's uh, you know maybe it's partnering with an esports team, right. um, maybe you know or maybe it's a co-branding exercise you know with you know with someone else. But again, it's 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 the Same approach. as you say, it's so it's so broad and it's so um, and we don't we don't limit ourselves to let's go partner with you know with an esports competition or let's go. Um, You know, let's let's go, uh, you know, do something with Fortnite. I mean, we're working with publishers and we're working with, you know, we're working with influencers and everything in between. The whole
0: ecosystem, basically, right? Correct. Um, Yeah. Do you ever represent the other side? I mean, you actually take on a client and then help them raise money or that is – Strictly, no. let's say the other side of the agency world—you don't do it at all. Really. Yeah, we
1: don't. We don't do it because we. Uh, what's important for us is that again, there are uh, there are parts of WPP that that get into that space, mm-hmm. um, but if we want to make sure that it's very clear to the client what side of the table that we're on, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we don't want there to be any confusion around or or have any conflict of interest. Um, yeah, you know, if we're really if, if we're saying to your client, we you know we think that you should create ex, you know experience in this game. We want them to know that we don't we don't have a uh, so, you know we don't have skin in the game, right? Yeah, so absolutely. we're being paid by you. Our job is to advise you.
0: Yeah. Now, how do you again uh, just stick for a minute another uh, on the gaming side? Um, what I see a little bit, we're in the gaming space as well, right? We own esports teams, we own some platforms here in Thailand, etc. And there was definitely a lot of excitement, hype, um, it's like COVID era uh, during these couple of years during COVID, and that has kind of calmed down a little bit. Now, that may be just because everyone is worried about a recession and how the, the world currently looks, um, or it is truly that, you know, maybe it has cooled down a bit. How do you see that? Do you see it as more, yeah, there's plenty of space for growth or it has gaming cooled off a bit?
1: No, I don't. Look, I... I when you talk about cooling off, I think it may have cooled off in terms of the rate at which it was, you know, accelerating, which That's was incredible. Right. Right. So in that sense, that may be, that may be the case that we're not, you know, the, the, uh, the growth in gaming isn't quite the same as it wasn't in, in the last two years, but it's absolutely still growing. And I think, you know, um, you hear. just have to look, you, you're, <laughs> you're invested in the space. No, no, no. I, I, I think the, the reason why the reason why gaming fundamentally is so big is because the barrier to entry is so low, right? right? So all you you know all you need is internet, yeah. um, and, and in many phone. cases you don't even need that. Say a phone, yeah. So, and as more people in particularly in you know in developing countries are getting you know are getting online, getting you know getting mobile devices, this is the way that the you know whether we like it or agree with it, this is the way that the you know young generation you know interacts. Um, this is how they spend their time. This is how they get to know each other. This is how they this is how they discover things, right? So, um, you know, in it, it would it would seem bizarre to maybe to us, right? To to have an avatar in a game and to ha- you know to pay for you know for for an Aston Martin or for a Burberry jacket or for Balenciaga sneakers, but the reality is that the because because the There's so much activity and there's so much sort of happening in these, you know, in these, uh, you know, in these spaces, there's a huge economy that's being built. And I, you know, maybe again, maybe it's not uh, continuing at the same sort of hockey stick rate as it was over, you know, over the pandemic for obvious reasons. Um, I, I think it's 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 um, it's definitely here to stay.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, and, and we've done cool. some work in this space too uh, over the last couple of years, especially what you're saying, sort of bringing. Um, IP into games to create, again, mm-hmm. uh, activities, whether it's skins or other things, which then, of course, can be monetized further. And whether these are again, the biggest stars of the world who appear, like you had Ronaldo in a, in a game here in Asia uh, called Free Fire, um, things like this. Or we did a deal with the Saudi football team, which obviously we just had uh, you know a big match there in Saudi with uh, PSG yeah. and the team. And, uh, and that, uh, jersey ended up in a, in a game, right? Um, now, if you think yeah. of it, Saudi as the country as, you know, traditional, how it maybe is in some sense, but you know, their national jersey ended up in a, in a mobile game, which was quite cool. <laughs> and that yeah. was how they, how this particular game launched in, in the Middle East or launched in Saudi specifically. And, and it was, became very, very successful. So yeah, there's, there's lots of these. Uh, amazing examples and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll keep talking a bit more about it and share, share, compare notes here. Um, but I want to touch on one other last thing here before we sort of slightly wrapping it up. And that is, of course, I know you are, you're big uh, supporter and and a champion of women's sports and and you know mm. how, how that is all growing of course again it's called it over the last few years really uh, more than before it's on the radar um the euro of course in uh, the uh, women's euro was very successful in the uk and and you know and you see it's starting to kind of emerge of course around the world talk a bit about it what it is you do and and or what you see and where do you see brands the opportunities have there
1: Sure. Yeah, look, I've always I've always been a huge, um, huge believer in the power of sport. Uh, Part of that is down to what we discussed. You know, sport has been a huge, it's been a huge part of my life. And if I had to boil down to one core element that sport gave me is the confidence. Mm -hmm. And I think if we can, if we can, if there were more confident people in the world, and I know it's very simple, then the world will be a better place because I think confidence drives everything. It's good for relationships. It's good for, you know, it's good for, um, you know, for how you pursue your career. And, and so, and, and the lack of confidence can have the opposite effect throughout your life. And what I, and what I thought was, you know, football for me in my, in my, uh, life was that thing, you know, football gave me the confidence to that to go on and to do all the amazing things that I get to do, mm. and I you know having spent a lot of time uh, many years in, in the U.S., I was amazed at the at just how developed you know, sport, particularly for girls, was in you know in in the U.S. and and how important it is when you're when you're a young girl to grow up and 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 be part of a team and to compete and you know all the lessons that we learned from that you know it's it's i feel like sport is a microcosm of life Mm -hmm. uh, you know in all the different experiences of winning losing and and uh, you know leading following and and everything else and and i so i i think that if that the, that the women, the women's sport in generally from every, from sort of grassroots and upwards, you know, need to be a bigger part of society. If we believe that the society needs to be, you know, uh, I guess a more equal place. And I do, um, you know, I've had, um, you know, I've had the pleasure of since I've been at, you know, at WPP to work for some of the, some very, very uh, impressive uh, female leaders, um, and it's and it's it's hugely enhanced my you know my my career so when i look at the, the role that that sport can play in sort of leveling you know in leveling the playing field the power of sport the power of women's sport i think it has it has an it has an incredible potential and now and i have a young daughter now as well so i want my daughter to to see that you know that just in the same way she goes to Arsenal men's games, she goes to you know she goes to women's Euros, the Women's World Cup, and she and she sees sold-out stadiums watching women playing at the highest level. Mm-hmm. I think that's incredible. It's a, you know you yeah. you cannot underestimate the power of seeing something like that for a young girl growing up. So I've always in in the roles that I've been in, I've always encouraged brands you know to invest in women's sport, not necessarily because you get this same level of exposure or it doesn't, it's, it's not about that. I think you have to think of it in terms of how, we, what you're doing as a company to really, you know, to, um, to make a difference, mm-hmm. right. To drive, you know, to, to drive the, you know, to, to be part of the conversation that is, that is increasingly becoming, uh, important in our society, right. which is, you know, empowerment, elevation, celebration of, uh, you know, of women. So,
0: and I've, I'm assuming you see more and more that use, happening, yeah. right? Uh, I'm, Absolutely. I'm, I mean, I Absolutely. see it every day as well. But uh, you know, you're obviously right at the front end of it, um, where you see brands investing marketing dollars into things, and you can clearly see that brands are the same way. They would come to you and me saying, "What do you have in gaming? What can we do there? We need to be there because it's a young audience we're trying to target." Are you have you have brands now saying, "Okay, well, how do we, you know, get involved? How do we make an honest I've, attempt to be in women's sports?" or I've, Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Not only are they saying that, what they're saying is there's not enough,
1: there's not enough of uh, of uh, there's not enough for them out there to invest okay. in. Okay, right. Okay. So, which I think is quite interesting. So, how do we how do we start to really build a meaningful, uh, you know, meaningful product out of women's right. sports? So, right, right. you know, we, we just had an we just had an incredible you know, women's Euros right in yep. in, the UK, in the UK. I mean, right. I mean you have ninety thousand people turning up at Wembley. There's clearly appetite – for football in particular, you know, there's obviously other sports, but how do we take that momentum? How do we, um, you know, and how do we start to build, you know, WSL? How do we get people through, you know, to to go to the games, to follow the games on on social, to. Um, you know, to buy product and you know, how do we start to create an industry? Because clear, people are interested, right? So they mm-hmm. they've already signaled that. We've seen so that, some of the is biggest things no last product, year where actually right. Okay.
0: There's
1: there's not there's not really not well enough, there's right. the product on the pitch, I think, is good. Right. But I think in terms of the women's sport as a product, you know, we I would compare it to, you know, does it what does it feel like to go to a Super Bowl, right? What does it feel like to go to the NBA game? What does it feel like to go people want to people are seeking they want to be immersed in a, in, a, in an experience these days right but if you're mm-hmm. a family you've got kids you want to go you want to have an amazing time you can't you can't rely just on what's happening on the pitch everything around has to feel like this is a great that you're having an incredible time yeah. so and i think this is where this is the next stage for the you know for for women's sport if you look at what what angel city for example have done in, mm-hmm. in the us is phenomenal yeah, yeah. um you know it's it, they they uh, they have a good team, but what's more importantly, what's more important is that they they have created a sense of uh, of community and an experience that is that is completely unique. And okay. that's why and that, that's why you know seventeen eighteen thousand people turn up to watch a team that didn't exist a year ago, yes. right? So I think I think we're we're probably on the same page. We've spent so many years in in marketing sports marketing. We understand the power of sport, the power of 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 what it can be. We've seen it, we've seen what, what it can be in the men's game. I think if we can replicate that in the women's game, and I'm very passionate about doing that, um, then we can, then that's the world that I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's, there'd be some Uh, big, uh, big uh, opportunities.
0: I totally agree and I, I have a daughter too and I see it with her you know all the time I have boys as well but uh it's it's just beautiful to see when 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 they get engaged and when they start following it and and start to take uh, take this thing get an interest in it and you know and they're therefore you know again the other way around then if you think of from a brand point of view if, you know because they are engaged and they they care as much as the boys care about their football in a sense um there is opportunities right, for brands then to connect well, and and get their message nice. across. I mean, women are fifty percent of the population. The, exactly, right? so, that's you a know, simple do you, mask. Do you think, yeah?
1: Do you think, do you think women? Do you think women will support and relate to companies um, that are doing something to elevate women? Hundred percent.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: and I think that's, I think that's what it requires. I think what we need is less people looking at spreadsheets and trying to compare women's sport to men's sport, and yeah. trying to see, you know, trying to see the opportunity and 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 particularly the, the, the opportunity that exists for some brands you know, to really lead the way in that space and to show that they're, you know, they're in it for, you know, they want to be part of that journey, part part of that growth. And I think the, you know, the upside is certainly there. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I don't know I think absolutely right we're on the same page here and and i, I want to sort of start wrapping up here and, and i want to touch on one last thing really and that is you know you mm. you you co-authored uh, a book before it's called the art of branded entertainment and again it's probably somewhat about what we talked about the last hour mm. plus here um but you are doing a, a new book I don't know whether you are you can already share a little bit of what that is about or or uh, if it's too early
1: yeah sure yeah I'm working so we, you know, we spoke about talent and uh, something I've I've uh, and I enjoy writing. So and something I've wanted to write about for a long time is is basically how what's what's happening with talent. And so the you know the book is uh, well the working title is you know athlete to enterprise. You know how do you actually um, you know if you are managing talent or if you're talent uh, if you're an athlete and mm-hmm. um, how do you how do you go about building a uh, building. Um, a personal brand, right. which can, which you know, which which can, um, you know, which can live on and give you the opportunity to you know, to um, you know to generate income and revenue for many years beyond you know following your career. Right. And I think you know the, the the challenge you have today is that so many so many athletes. I mean, I, I won't bore you with statistics, but so many sort of football players or NBA players are, you know, are going bankrupt, you know, five years after, you know, after they retire. And it's because they never take the opportunity while they have, while they have the chance to really build something that can sustain them over time. Right. And they think that those opportunities will come because they're famous or because they have, you know, but, but that's not how it works. Right. So, um, you know, being able to relay some of my experiences of working obviously with some top, top athletes from Pelé to Vinny to, and, you Luco and, you know, um, you know Mesut and everyone in between. Um, what what can uh, you know, what can I share with people about building, building audiences, building relevance, um, you know, investing in, you know, investing over time uh, in Creating something that people deeply care about, so and yeah. and transcending from sport into popular culture, so Absolutely. that's kind of the theme, you know, the theme of the. Oh, nice! The book. You, you, thank you for I'll asking.
0: connect you with uh, Tracy Benson. Not sure if you uh, you heard of her or you've listened to the. I heard pod- the name. Yeah, she, she, yeah, yeah she, she was on my podcast too, and her company is called Obsession Um, And she calls it, you know, she works with the 99% of the athletes who are struggling, right? Not the 1% Mm. who are making millions and everyone sees on TV, but it's all these others, Olympic athletes and many others who are, you know, as passionate as the next one is about their, their, their sport. But they don't like the big box. But she's teaching them how to leverage the social media side in other areas, which uh, allows them to generate new revenue uh, way beyond just what the big stars can do. And so I think part of maybe you know what you're just talking about, about your new book, uh, besides what the big guys do, you know, maybe you know, have a look at also what the little guys do <laughs> who are sure. you know, yeah. equally. So I, I'll put you in touch with her. I think it'd be an interesting conversation between the two of you. That would be great. I love that. uh, Misha, this was good fun. I I really enjoyed this. I I learned a lot, again, uh, um, from the sort of other side of the business, right? Like you said, you guys are really looking at from how the brands, how they invest their money wisely. um, And therefore, on the end of it, uh, creating smart partnerships, which works for both sides. And that's the whole trick and whether you're an athlete or a brand or a, or, or sports property, uh, it really doesn't matter. I think the, the, the tricks is always the same, right? And of course, social media has taken it to another level and and it is way beyond sports, right? It isn't just about any more of the big stars. It's, yeah. uh, you know, new stars are born every day on somewhere on TikTok or on YouTube. And, and that's exciting for all of us, I think. Uh, so fun stuff here and uh, thank, for, thank you for your time.
1: Thanks for having me. Really enjoy the conversation. Thanks, Marcus. Cheers.
0: The Sports Entrepreneurs by Marcus Luer podcasts are a collection of interviews and stories. All content in this podcast is the copyright of Marcus Luer. Reproduction and distribution of the presentation without written permission of the owner is prohibited. All rights reserved.